The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodder, and joining me, as always, is Jake Wachoba and Armand Kafai. On today's episode, the Los Angeles Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders drop points. Our NYCFC flying under the radar. Plus, Armand's two stars and one sucker. Now, listeners, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us at Pod. Make sure you come back for tomorrow's episode. We have a special interview with Rochester Rhinos president and chief soccer officer, Pat Ercoli. Stay tuned for that. But fellas, let's get straight to it. What a weekend in MLS. Yesterday we talked about what was going on off the field. Let's talk about what happened on the field. And Jake, in our mind, Sunday night football. What a game between Atlanta United and the Portland Timbers. Even you're now a MLS fanboy. I, I never thought I'd see the rebirth <laughs> of your fanboyness. Uh it comes out every now and then. It does. You know, it would have been nice to watch the game if it wasn't on at – if it didn't start at 10 o'clock at night, even though <laughs> Fox says it's going to start at 9. But what What that – Who? who's in charge of that? Is that the league? It's not the, yeah, it has it's to not, be. It has to be, right? What person was in charge of that? There I'm is, sure it might have been Fox, right? Because, like, they want that pregame show, but, I mean, like – who watches and the pregame show? Start the pregame show? show at eight thirty. Don't start the pregame show at nine, and then kickoffs at nine twenty-five. Right, and, and think about it. We're Central Time. The East Coasters game starts at what ten thirty? Oh, that, yeah. that's just poor management by MLS. Because guess what? Guess what's around the corner, guys? College football in the NFL. It's going to be very hard to compete with American football. So poor. Poor planning by the league. However, the game was phenomenal. Back and forth, high-class soccer, two teams going at it. And, guys, Atlanta is a scary team. In the last six games, five wins, one loss, plus a semifinal win, an, an easy win over Orlando, and a 3-2 to two win in the Champions Cup against Club America. They have scored 17 goals in these six games, allowing only five. Four of them came against LAFC. They've also held four clean sheets. To put it in perspective, they opened the season with one win, two draws, and three losses. Armand, Atlanta has turned it around, and this team could very well go on and win four trophies basically in a a calendar year. And all it took... 
was Joseph Martinez, Leandro Gonzalo Perez, Petey Martinez, Barcoats all come out and say, yeah, we don't like the style of this way this team is playing right now. We, Me and Jake talk about it a lot. I'm watching LA and I played in the beginning part of the season. They look like they're just holding back and they weren't being used to the fullest of their potential. And now it looks like DeBoer kind of like, you know, stopped trying to emphasize certain things and, you know, has gone with what works. And credit to him. And, you know, after the beginning of the season, I think we were all saying, what was, what was going on? I especially was like, what's going on? Why is this team not playing this way? And they switched to a more attacking style. And, wow, what do you know? A team that is, was built off Tata Martino's attacking dynamic style is really good at attacking. What a surprise. But, no, honestly, they do look like a team that can compete for MLS Cup. And they look, uh, they, they're, they've been looking so fun. I used to not watch LA United as much this year because of how, like, you know, it was a little boring. But this year, they look great. I love it. They're they're my they're one of my favorite teams to watch right now. It's it's fantastic soccer, and you got to credit Frank DeBoer for the changes. Yeah, Stephen, you have to give him credit for making the changes, and I think that also signals that Frank DeBoer might actually be a good manager. What do we say about good coaches? They make changes to the strengths of their club. They try to minimize weaknesses. This club, this team, this side was set up to play attacking style football not bunker ball they're not they were not meant to play a defensive pragmatic style of play they wanted to express themselves they wanted to play attacking football and i think you're starting to see why atlanta was such a great team last year it was because of all the attacking talent they had and and and, and kudos to frank DeBoer for recognizing that and listening to his players and making those changes atlanta united is one of the best teams to watch and it's a great gateway drug to MLS. Let's move it on to this Seattle Sounders LA Galaxy match. And boy, was it a strange one. No, it was a very strange match that also kicked off at like 9 o'clock Central Time. Seattle and LA took on each other. We saw a red card in the sixth minute. Uh, Daniel Starris got red carded for a dog so challenge. Go to back then call. You saw Go to back call. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fine call. He was through. He dragged him down. No Jake. complaints from me. Clear goal scoring opportunity there. Dragged him down like Armand said. That's a obvious red. We saw six minutes later, Jonathan Dos Santos get a penalty, but then that was wiped away to VAR due to a handball uh, in the in in the box from Dos Santos. Uh, we saw Rallery Diaz open up the scoring in the forty second minute. And you thought, okay, Seattle's going to finally break through. They're not as slow. No. Zlatan dunks on his defender in the 45th minute. And, and, <laughs> and it literally dunks on him uh, oh. to t- tie things up at one going into the break. We st- then saw a penalty. Uh, Zlatan dragged down the 65th minute. And he, he capitalized on the penalty seconds later. And then we saw one of the most comical own goals I think I've ever seen. David Bingham looks like he's going to head the ball and doesn't look like he needs to. And he heads it off Jorgen Skelvik and the ball ends up in the back of the, of the Galaxy's own net, resulting in an own goal in the 82nd minute. And rescuing a draw for the 11 men Sounders in a 2-2 affair, it was a very weird game to say the least and a very unimpressive performance from Seattle. I thought it was impressive for the Galaxy. I thought, though. I thought the Galaxy looked pretty good for playing. Yeah, I was, they look well organized. Well, okay. they, look, they, 
But, it looked dangerous going forward at times, too, playing down a man. The, the Sounders looked disjointed. They looked disinterested. They didn't look like they wanted to be there. I mean, they were they, they were bailed out by David Bingham. If David Bingham decides to not to, to not run off his line the way he did and head the ball into a teammate's face and have it deflect into his own goal, the Galaxy walk away with all three points there. All right, question of the day. Which team dropped the points? The Sounders and the Galaxy both needed points. The Galaxy have an opportunity for the two seed. And the Sounders have an opportunity to kind of climb up and start to maybe separate themselves as a viable playoff contender. Not necessarily winning the cup, but maybe making a deeper run than some other clubs. So, at Unksam Soccer Pod, which team will regret this performance more? The Galaxy or the Sounders? Sounders. Easily. You go up a man in the sixth minute. You have nearly an entire match to then set the tone, make it your game. On the road, by the way, too. Let's let's not let's not forget how hard it is to win away matches in this league. So you go up a man, and you have 84 minutes to play, and you can't find all three points on the road. This was this could have been a massive result for the Sounders to get three points, and they couldn't do it. Say what you will. The Galaxy had the game in hand. Bingham blunder there towards the end of the second half to rescue a point for the Sounders. Say what you will about that. The Sounders needed to get three points as soon as they went up a man, and they couldn't find a, they, they couldn't find three goals in them to win the match. And that, to me, I think they're going to look back at this match in a few weeks and go, damn, how did we not, how did we not beat the Galaxy there? The Sounders in the second half outshot the Galaxy 21-7 to and held 61% of, of possession. Armand, what, what is missing with the Seattle Sounders team? Man, it, it's tough. But I feel like they're missing something in the midfield. And I think Taylor Twelman kind of referred to it. It feels like they are missing an Ozzy Alonso figure in there. It really does. So they're missing that greedy guy. Because, look, offensively, you can say what you want about Jordan Morris, but he does create. Right? He does... Most of their chances were created through Jordan Morris. And Lodero is a brilliant playmaker. And you have Rui Diaz, who hasn't been himself, but always has the shades of scoring. They're just missing someone in the midfield. They're missing. They're just missing that guy. And they've had him for so long. And now without him, and we see Minnesota kind of excelling with him, you know, missing Ozzy Alonso, it's a pretty big loss. And Gustav Svensson and Christian Roldan have tried to fill that role, but I mean, they haven't really done an, a, a phenomenal job. I don't think Svensson is as good as a replacement as people want to think. Their center back pairing is kind of eh with Ariega and Kim Ki Hee. They lost Roman Torres for the PED suspension. Seems like all their problems are really in that defensive third, to be quite honest with you, because they create. And they probably should have had a little bit more, but they create in most matches. I mean, Look, they, they put up three against New England. I mean, sure, they had a blank against RSL. But they, they can score goals. It's just defensively, I don't know what they're doing. And They've allowed 11 Steven goals in the last four games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And Stephen, I don't know about you. But they looked really uninspired in that first half, even up a man. That's what's strange. I, I, I just don't understand why Seattle just didn't go out there and just drive the knife through 
the Galaxy's throat in the first half and never give them an option in the second half. It, it seemed like the Galaxy, at times, were the team playing with 11 men and the Seattle Sounders were playing with 10 men. Well, guys, it sounds like maybe there might be a confidence issue in the locker room. Let's talk about Brian Schmetzer's comments here at post-game. Nothing about this feels good. I need to get a team that feels confident, that can defend confidently, and that can attack confidently. We need to give those guys the right tools, the right messaging, the right whatever it takes to get them to play like the team that they were in the first six or seven games of the year. The game was ripe for the taking. And that last sentence says it all. The game was ripe for the taking, up a man, couldn't get the result. And what's funny about this statement is he references how good they were playing at the beginning of the season. And what have the Sounders notoriously been known for these last few years? The opposite. Exactly. They come on strong at the end. What was it last year? Was it last year they were one of the worst teams in the West in like July? I think it was twenty it was twenty sixteen when they won MLS Cup. And they were one of the worst teams in the summer, and then all of a sudden, bam, rattle off. They just go on this unbelievable run, rescue their season, go on a tear in the playoffs, and hoist MLS Cup. Actually, I want to quickly, quickly, guys, let's talk about the Galaxy. Any missed opportunities there for them? Because I genuinely believe they screwed up here. David Bigham might have cost them the second seed. We talked about it yesterday on the show, the importance of matches like this. There's more pressure to perform well and get the three points. Ibra carried the team, got the two goals. And LA needed the three points because they're going through a tough schedule. They have Cruz Azul in the League's Cup, LAFC at the Bunk, the California Stadium, and then they have another date with Seattle in Seattle. They could have used the three points to kind of give them a little bit more of a cushion. No, now they're they're stuck in this five points, wild, wild west, and they could easily be the seventh seed or they could easily be the second seed. I mean, I guess I'll start here. Minnesota has the second toughest schedule. I should say the second toughest remaining schedule in MLS to close out the season. So the Galaxy will have more opportunities to climb up the table. And while... Yeah, you can say they may have shot themselves in the foot with an early red card there in the match. When you go down a man, expectations change in the match. And while they were up 2-1 midway through the second half, I still think a 2-2 draw is a good result for them there against a Western Conference foe. I look at the, like 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 we've been bashing the Sounders. I think this is all in the Sounders. I think they completely blew an opportunity to... But Pick Jake, up three points in the road. The Galaxy this- held the advantage. They were up two to one. You and if it correct, weren't for but- David Bigham's dumb blunder, we'd be talking how the Galaxy got three points with playing with ten men from pretty much the get-go. Sure, I but think- we could also say that if Bingham doesn't come off his line there and Morris beat Skelvick to the ball... He's he's in for the breakaway right there. That's an easy goal too. So I mean, we can we can sit here and play devil's advocate of yeah, well, we being can. screwed up there. I, to me, I just think 
it's unreasonable to expect a team to score two goals down a man and no, then you're not wrong. Find, if you had said find, that find a way six, to get the result. If you had said that in the fifteenth minute, I would have agreed. But put the game in the context. There are times the Galaxy dominated Seattle and looked like they had the advan- the one man advantage. Or the extra man advantage. I know Armand, you got the final say here before we talk about NYCFC. No, I, I, I have to agree with Jake here. I mean, knowing the circumstance, you're down a man. Sure, maybe in the moment it kind of sucks that they blew all that they blew the chance to get all three points, but you'll take a point, especially down a man for 85 minutes. And Seattle was racking up pressure at times. There was times where the game was even relatively slow. Seattle had no ideas. They started to get momentum at some points, and it kind of it was like a little bit of a wave. But no, I don't. I don't think you can bash the Galaxy for getting a point while down a man for 85 minutes. I think, yeah, sure, it's a disappointing result. But with Galaxy Seattle and say, hey, look, you were up, man. If you want to be a team to compete for an MLS Cup, to compete against an LAFC, to compete against these guys in the playoff race, or Minnesota United even, you got to put teams away when you're up a man. And they couldn't do it. They generally couldn't do it. And... I'll even say this, the fact that the Galaxy were in the game, Steven, and that they dominated and that you feel that way is an indictment on the failure of the Sounders to actually perform well. 100%. Plain and simple, plain and simple, if you're up a man for 85 minutes and you're a team that wants to compete for MLS Cup, you put them away. You After we did a at first goal, you slow things down and boom, you, 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 you hit them with the second one. And they almost had that second one too. There was a point where Rui Diaz, two minutes later in the 44th minute, had a Golden chance. And if he scored that one, I think that that would have been game, to be honest with you. But he didn't. You got to put away the chances. That's what you got to do. And let's not forget Bingham bailed out the Galaxy at the end there late, late, late in the match when Rui Diaz had that shot right at the top of the box that Bingham made that diving save across the, the mouth of the goal and, and parried it away. I mean, that 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 very well could have been a goal and that, that could have rescued the match for the Sounders. But... Listeners, give us your thoughts at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Question of the day: Who does this result hurt more, the Sounders or the Galaxy? Now, guys, let's move it on here. Let's talk NYCFC. I don't feel like NYCFC gets a lot of love in this league. I feel like they're flying under the radar, especially from you, especially from me. <laughs> I I was not high on NYCFC heading into the season. NYCFC sit third in the East with 41 points behind Atlanta in Philadelphia. Three games in hand on Philadelphia and two on Atlanta United. NYCFC are third in MLS on goal, in goal differential with 13. Eber leads the team in goals with 12. Maxi Morales, 16 assists, had 16 assists through 32 games played last year, just to give you an idea how good of a season he's having. If you haven't been paying attention, their three DPs have been performing well. Alexandru Matriza, 20 games played, six goals, two assists. Maxi Morales, 20 games played, six goals, 16 assists. And Jesus Medina, 13 games played, one goal, and two assists. Armand, NYCFC, why are they flying under the radar? I, I don't know. Is it because they play on a disgusting baseball field? Or is it because uh, they don't have any true, like, you know, designated players? I think it might be the latter. 
they don't have any, I guess, quote-unquote stars on the team, but they're all performing really well, and they play actually really brilliant football. Like, they actually play interesting football. Guys, let us not forget, Dominic Torrent was Pep Guardiola's right-hand man at City. Like, this guy isn't a bum, which, you know, all the MLS pundits wanted to make it sound like he was a bum. But they don't have superstars out there playing week in, week out. You have a guy like Tati Castellanos, who's their wing. Here. He has nine goals, five assists. If you attach, like, a different name on him, I think you get, you get a different story. They're flying completely under the radar. And their midfield has been really good since a uh, friend of the show, Keaton Parks, has been added to the starting uh, eleven. They're starting to play more possession-based football. And we talked about the addition of a bear and adding a, a clinical finisher to replace David Villa. And then you have Tati Castellanos coming in, who was really poor at the end of last year. And it seems like he's playing with so much confidence, so vibrant play. And you have a guy like Matriza, who he hasn't been really living up to his name as this DP, but he has been excelling really well and he has potential to you know, score any instance. I think... All these things can add up, and I think, like you've been saying, Stephen, the lack of a DP notoriety name has kind of let them fly under the radar. They don't have like superstar U.S. academy players like FC Dallas. They don't have DPs like Carlos Vela uh, in LAFC or you know PT Martinez in Atlanta United. But they're performing really well. It's almost the best I've seen them play since uh, before Patrick Vieira, where he left for Nice a year back. Jake. You have similar thoughts. The lack of superstar pretty much forces NYCFC to be under the radar because people just like star power and NYCFC lack that. Correct, Stephen. I question how good was this team before the season started. I believe we had this on record, actually, of me saying, are they even good? Well, actually, since you mentioned that, let me toss this up. Did some research, did a little maths. Since July, five wins, four losses. And this math does not include Portland's loss to Atlanta. The four losses include Portland, Red Bulls, RSL, and Atlanta. You combine those four teams, a plus 27 goal differential and a point per game of 1.55. Their wins haven't come up against the best teams either. Seattle, Colorado, SKC, Houston, and FC Cincinnati. You do the same math on that. A goal differential of minus 55 and a point per game of 1.13. This team in the last nine games, although they are flying on the radar, and yes, they have the third best goal differential in MLS, and Maxi Morales has 16 assists, and they're performing well, and they have these the three games in hand against Philadelphia and the two games in hand on Atlanta could very well put them top of the table in the Eastern Conference. But I am not too sure because when the teams get really good, it seems like NYC will lose. And when the teams are crap, they beat up against the crap teams. A lot of those losses against good teams are on the road too. Sure. You're not wrong. It it looks like three of the four, right? Is that, what, is that what it looks like? Yeah, yep. Portland at home, Red Bull away, RSL away, Atlanta away. No, I mean, you you bring up a value, uh, pretty strong point. But the fact is, they're in this position, you know, one point out. You know what? You got to take care of the minnows. 
We look at a team like Seattle and we just criticize them for not taking care of the Galaxy. Uh, but they also, you know, have, have struggled in other matches as well. And But Armand, the, the remaining schedule is somewhat scary for NYCFC. Right, right. They, 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 they play Columbus uh, at home. They play Red Bulls in the Hudson River Derby at home. Then it's at Vancouver, which it's not that scary. Then New England, Toronto, San Jose, at Dallas, Atlanta, at New England, and at Philadelphia. That at Philadelphia matchup is going to be very interesting. But that's eight, you're right. That's eight playoff contenders right there. In ten games. Yikes. Look, you, you, to, to be the best, you got you to gotta beat the best. And you know what? The, the, that two, those two games against New England are going to be huge. That game against Philadelphia going to be huge. That game against Atlanta, giving us incredible. All these games have significant meaning. And it's not going to be easy. But Stephen Jake, do you expect these guys to finish in the top two in the Eastern Conference? Ooh, do you I think, think they can push top, Atlanta for the number one seed? Top three. The I, Atlanta. I give Atlanta the one seed. I just think they're on a tear. I haven't seen enough out of Philadelphia to have a proper opinion on them. But I think they're easily a top three team just because of the, you know, games in hand. They are in the driver's seat. They kind of control their own destiny. They're better than Philly. Are they better than Atlanta? I don't know. I think there's a little bit of recency bias going on with Atlanta right now, too, to some extent. I think we've seen a couple of good performances from Atlanta, and now we're like, they're back, baby. They are. Here to stay. They are back. They're they back. are back. They're- Jake, yes, they are just back. as much as they can be back, and we go, look at this is the best team in MLS. So this is the second best team in MLS. They could just as easily be Seattle. We go, what the hell is wrong? No, with? no. I, we were I just think a month ago I think saying you're stretching it. You're stretching just a it month. There. What I'm saying is small sample size. Atlanta, the last Seattle, six games for Atlanta has been phenomenal. But six games in a 34 game schedule is that what we're saying? Is that what we're going to use to plus a trophy and a finals appearance a coming trophy up? Trophy in a meaningless game again. The uh, Cup matters, okay? It does not matter. Stop it that. It does. Knock that off. No, it's coming back, baby. <laughs> it does not matter. It does matter. All right, Jake. <laughs> final words before we get to Armand's two stars and one sucker. Look to this point. I think NYCFC is for real, and I think you can give a lot of the credit to their defending. They've only allowed 32 goals so far this season. We'll see if there's a drop-off with James Sands out for the regular season with a broken collarbone. Dominic Torrent's possession-based football has taken a lot of pressure off that back line, but when they've been called to duty, they've performed well. And here is the thing, you guys. If they are hosting playoff matches at Yankee Stadium, it is one of the most difficult places to play in the league because of its smaller than normal dimensions. If NYCFC can somehow, some way, get past the big, bad Atlanta United, this team that can't be stopped right now, according to you two, if they can get that number one seed, I think they should be labeled the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Wow, hot takes at Jake Watrova, at Unc Sam Soccer Pod, at Stephen Jordan, at Armand Kafai. Quickly, Armand, give us your two stars and one soccer. So, star one goes to Brother Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, four goals this week two against FC Dallas, two against Seattle, 
What a performance from Zlatan. That's why you pay him the big bucks, baby. I would say for star number two, we were just talking about NYCFC. A pair in Tati Castellanos. Two goals each in a four-run route of FC Cincinnati. And you know what? You got to take care of those road matches. And they dominated in that performance. The sucker, guys, Joseph Lowry, if you're listening to this, I don't know if you are, but you might be. The Union losing to Chicago. How can we consider the one seed and do, do that? You can't. You can't. They lost 2-0 to the Chicago Fire. Up a man for 45 minutes and couldn't get a goal. Like Seattle, like what, how we're roasting Seattle. We got to roast Philadelphia. Come on, Union. Are you a fake number one seed? I think you are. I think you're a catfish. If I'm an MLS team, I want to play the Philadelphia Ooh, Union in the Eastern fish. Conference playoffs. They're a catfish. It's like that girl. You look at her. Wow, she's beautiful. <laughs> and then you see her in real life, and you're like, oh, my God. What did I just get myself into? Wow. This is the Philadelphia Union. Do not buy into the hype. What personal story happened to – this is personal look, story man, time. Look, man. Tinder, Tinder is a hell of a drug, okay? <laughs> Tinder is a hell of a drug. You end up on there. You meet some beautiful girl named Amy, and oh. she's actually looks more like a like a, a Michael. And you're what? like, oh, <laughs> she's, does she have an does she have an Adam's apple too? Yep. <laughs> All right, we don't get catfished on Tinder, guys. Don't All right, we gotta wrap now. <laughs> We're wrapping. How That's it for today's show, <laughs> listeners. Question of the day at Unksfam Soccer Pod. Back to our Seattle Sounders LA Galaxy discussion <laughs> from earlier. Who does that draw hurt most, the Galaxy or the Sounders? Let us know on Twitter, at UnkSamSoccerPod. You can follow the show on Twitter, I've said it a thousand times, at UnkSamSoccerPod. You can follow Steven at Steven Jodran. You can follow Armonkify at Armonkify. You can follow myself at Jake Watroba. For Steven, for Armon, I'm Jake. Don't go sliding into Armon's DMs to catfish him because he will fall for it. We'll talk to you guys <laughs> yep. next time. A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you can save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. The N-OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.